0: I'm excited to have Clark Poff. He is the pastor of Valley Brook Community Church in Granby, Connecticut, uh, a dear friend of mine. We've been friends for now for over 10 years. And uh, Clark, so glad to have you on the show today. How are you? It's great to be here, Sammy. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah. So, Clark, uh, you know, I know that uh, I, don't, I don't even want to get into the meat of what we're about to talk about before we actually talk about it because I'm so excited. But uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how we met? <laughs> so we met about 10 years ago at a,
1: a conference for church planting. And uh, you were doing a breakout session entitled, Your Ch- Is Your Church Racist? Why 11 a.m. is Still the Most Segregated Hour in America. And uh, I-, I was interested. Uh, I'm a white Man, I was raised in the South, and, and I deplore racism. And um,
0: your topic in, intrigued me, and I I had to go. What was what was so intriguing about the breakout session, uh, besides the fact that it probably had nothing to do with church planting, but uh, well, it
1: it, <laughs> it it didn't have anything to do with church planting, but but the topic intrigued me because again, raised I was raised in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I've seen explicit racism and I knew what that was, but, but now you were, you were telling me that, uh, there's the possibility that my church was racist and (laughs) I don't want to be racist. And so, uh. Um, and, and look, I know the statistics I, I do know that eleven a m is still the most segregated hour in america um, i 've read the studies that you 've read and, and that probably every pastor
0: has read and, and i 've done squat about it wow well i mean it, it that's that 's huge that you would admit that uh, but uh as as we unpack this conversation today i i 'm excited about what 's going on with you and uh you know uh, you know it saddens me that it 's taken you know, ten years for you to come to this conclusion. I say that I'm as I'm smiling. I say that as I'm smiling, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, you know, I mean, all in God's time. Now, I, I know that you and I have had conversations, and I know that a lot of our conversations would tend to uh, end in some form or fashion uh, about racism. You know, how did that make you feel? Uh, you know, across the span of ten years. Uh, well i had i had multiple reactions i
1: mean you know our friendship is both deep and wide and so we have a, a great deal of relationship trust and and you would challenge me by things you would say about racism because i never considered that i had a part in racism and and yet uh, you know over these 10 years we've watched Things unfold in our country um, over those ten years and, and before, uh, you know, that have that have troubled me. And, and as a white man, I have I have struggled to reach across the the racial divide. Um, but you and I, you and I connected. And yeah, you you had a way of pushing my buttons with a velvet hammer. I, I never felt. I never felt beat up. I never felt uh, I felt lovingly challenged and and I didn't get it and I, and I, and I still don't think I completely get it. But, and I've got a long journey ahead of me. And part of that's just because I'm I was raised in a white culture and I don't know what I don't know. Mm.
0: I know that uh, you know this this story. I I tell it everywhere I go. Uh, I would love for you to tell it uh, because I'm kind of bored in how I tell it. But uh, you and I went to a a a biennial meeting. We were both serving on the board of overseers for the movement that we're a part of, which will remain uh, nameless for now. And um, but I, I remember we were in the lobby of the of the place where we were attending and i said clark let's do this social experiment and so i you know i, I and i think that that was probably the first time that you saw uh, the things that uh that i would explain to you but uh would you mind telling us that story about sure. what happened sure
1: yes we uh we were at this meeting it was uh, attended by hundreds of uh Christian leaders, both, uh, lay leaders and, uh, pastors. And, um, we're at this, this huge church and, um, you know, when you proposed the idea to us, we were already sitting down on a bench outside of the entrance to the church. And, uh, I, I know you knew what was going to happen, but I didn't believe it. And, um, you know, you said, let's see how many people say hi to you and how many people say hi to me. And, um, you know, I, I understood the implication was, hey, you know, you're white and I'm Latino. And, and uh, you know, people are going to say hi to you, Clark, because you're white and people aren't going to say hi to me, Sammy, because I'm, I'm Latino. And uh, I, I didn't believe you. I, you know, I called your bluff and you weren't bluffing. And, um, uh, there was a parade of leaders. I mean, everybody was gathering for the next big session. And so, I mean, literally hundreds of people came by us and what I observed were, uh, white Christian leaders of all ages. Um, you know, some who would be considered senior citizens and some nearing retirement and some young, uh, bucks who were uh, just starting in, uh, ministry and, um, uh, the white leaders would say hi to me, and while you would give them eye contact, you'd get nothing. But the but the leaders of color uh, would would generally say hi to both of us. Sometimes, occasionally, just you, but but more than not, they would they would recognize us both. And I was stunned. I, I was shocked because I mean we were shoulder to shoulder sitting on a bench and you couldn't miss you and you couldn't miss me. So if you said hi to one of us and not the other, you were obviously omitting the other person. And why was that? Well, in my mind, I finally believed it was because some people were comfortable with my race and uncomfortable with your race and and vice versa and the predominant, nature was, the white folk were um, more responsive to me
0: than you, way
1: more responsive. So
0: it was was blatant. Now, I know you used the word that you were shocked, but I mean, you know, how did it make you feel? Because uh, I think that, uh, I don't think we said much to each other that day about it. I know that we spoke about it maybe afterwards, but uh, what was your initial reaction outside of shock? Um uh you know candidly I don't think
1: we you I don't think you've ever asked me this question and so uh you know I just sort of filed it away Sammy because it, I didn't know what to do with it and I I again on this journey of discovering what it means to be white I didn't really understand then. I didn't understand that what you were experiencing was something you experience every day. I, you know, honestly, contextually, Sammy, for me, that was, that was a isolated incident. And now I know better. I know it's not an isolated incident, but, and so for me, in you know, I said, i said it before. I don't know what I don't know, but, but what I, what I, what I'm coming to terms with is that I don't I've never understood that as the majority race in the United States that I get recognized, I get a I get a pass on all kinds of things. I, I get um just welcomed without any discomfort uh, than a man or a woman of color does in in our country. And and I say that because I'm beginning to see it happen, but I'm also owning that it happens from me
0: to people of color. Mm. Now, I know that um, almost, you know, I would say probably eight years after that incident, uh, at that biennial meeting in Maryland, you actually had me come and speak at your church. Uh, yes. Once, once racial tensions began to escalate again after the uh, after the death of Michael Brown, um, yes. and uh, I know that uh, in coming in, uh, I, I I just remember as I was preaching at your church how nervous you were, uh, and uh, because of some of the things that I was saying. Uh, which are truthful, but, you know, I think that it's kind of hard for people that don't get it to hear things. Uh, wh- what was it like? What was Number one, what was the hesitation on your part? And I'm, I'm asking you, I, I, it's a pretty strong question to ask, and really pretty much on the spot. What was the hesitation to have somebody like me come in, when I say somebody like me, a person of color, to come in and talk to a church that is predominantly white, about racism, what was the hesitation? And two, what did it feel like in the moment that I'm in there addressing a predominantly white congregation about racism? What did it feel like? And so so why the hesitation, and what did it feel like in the moment?
1: I think the hesitation centers around the fact that I don't think— that I have racial bias and I, and I, I think that other white folks in my church feel the same way. And I also know that from our friendship, um, you've continually lovingly told me that that's not your experience. And, you know, I, I I told you long ago, I said, you know, the first time I met you, I just, I thought you were, you know, just a, an angry Latino guy. And, uh, and I, um, you know, but God just kept drawing us together and, and there was a, a a friendship there. And so we developed a friendship of trust that, you know, you have cared for me and loved me through my journey and, uh, so I trusted you and I also knew that I knew that you had experiential capital that I don't have. I don't feel qualified to speak about race because I'm a white man and I haven't I, I know enough to know that I haven't experienced what you experience. And so I don't feel qualified. You know, we were preaching through Galatians that entire summer. And there's that passage in Galatians says, you know, we're neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female nor slave nor free. And you know, and it's all about inclusion and um knowing what had happened in our country in the previous twelve months and, and uh, you know, you know, the whole thing and, and the Dallas shootings happened just like weeks before you were scheduled to come. And so it was a to me it was a God thing, which only reinforced again I'm not qualified to speak about race because I'm part of the majority white culture in the United States. I don't, I don't get it.
0: Yeah. Now I know that recently you have, uh, you have joined a group in your area uh, of uh, local pastors and you guys are actually, uh, you know, dealing with this issue of race and you're uh, you guys are actually reading a book together and yes. uh, tell us a little bit about, about that. Tell us about the group. Tell us about the demographics of the group. And tell us about the book that you're reading, which will lead us into a conversation that you and I had yesterday. Sure. So
1: uh, I'm part of a group in the greater Hartford, Connecticut area and put together by a, a ministry called Urban Alliance, trying to get the, the purpose of the Urban Alliance is to try to facilitate relationships between Uh, the suburban churches and the urban churches. And, you know, there's obviously a racial divide there. And um, so a part of that, and and actually this book was referred to me from uh, another pastor that's not even a part of this group, Um, but the first topic we're taking up in the group that I am is on racism. But, But this pastor referred this book to me by Debbie Irvin, and it's called Waking Up White and Finding Myself in the Story of Race. Uh, this woman obviously is white. She grew up in the suburbs of uh, Boston. She's, uh, to my recollection, she's uh, in her late fifties. I'm in my mid fifties, and, and I started reading this book. And her experience is my experience. I mean, I mean, so much of what I read in there I identify with, and. What I've come to realize is that I don't understand that my skin color grants me entree into places that you wouldn't get entree into. I'm, I'm given a pass because my skin color is white and the majority culture is comfortable with that. And trust that, and, and they don't trust the skin color uh, of people that are latino or african american and i I just didn't know that about when people meet me as a white man and see that and it, it's it's so much it's so eye opening to me um, you know from everything from the g i bill after World War II to, you know, to going into the bank and getting a, a loan or, a, you know, a second mortgage, you know, I've never faced any roadblocks. And, you know, part of that I just thought was because I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, a responsible person. I had never, never considered that possibly it had something to do with the color of my skin.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So I, I know that yesterday you called me after I guess you know uh, being challenged by reading this book. What uh, what 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 happened? What what's what? It's like somebody flipped the switch. And so what what was it that happened as you were reading this book that you know we spoke yesterday? I remember yeah. uh, probably yeah. for a, you know it was it was more than thirty minutes. I know that. And uh, but what was it that impacted you the most?
1: I, I, what impacted me the most was i i saw the the racial context that we live in in the united states that gives me a pass because of my color and may not give you a pass because of your color and what i also realized that i'm i'm part of the problem um you know because when i I, I grew up in a culture that implicitly told me that when you go through the the section of town where that is predominantly African American, you need to lock the doors on your car. I, I grew up in a culture um, that you know said that people uh, of color aren't uh, reliable. Um, you know, they're not going to be on time. They're not going to, um, be faithful to their obligations or debts. And, you know, I, I was, that was the culture I was brought up in. And I've, I've perpetuated it because I've not spoken out against it. And in fact, because I grew up in it, I've absorbed it and lived that way. And I've lived distrustfully and, and I've perpetuated it. And so I think that was the big, the big aha for me. And, and as you and I talked, you know, it grieves me because I see it. I see it not only in, in, you know, and now I see it in my life, but, but I see it in my, in my white friends because we don't understand that we've grown up in a white majority world that again, gives us a lot of, a credit um, for things that we didn't earn, but we got it
0: just because our skin tone is white. Mm. That's huge. You know, I, I know that for me, I, I told you yesterday that uh, it's validating to hear that from, uh, number one, a friend, number two, uh, a person who is white. Uh, because, you know, uh, I think that the... Normal uh, response is well, I'm not racist. I've got black friends. You know, it, it always turns into a black and white thing when there are other ethnicities out there that are also people of color. But uh, you know, uh, I didn't do this to you, uh, or I didn't do this to your yeah. people. I, I didn't own any slaves. I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't uh, institute. Jim Crow laws, or I, I didn't violate anybody's equal opportunity rights. I mean, I've heard them all. And uh, so the fact that you would say that, the fact that you would come to an aha moment, as you put it, is huge to hear. And so, uh, you know, I was thankful that you called me yesterday because you could have you just kind of held all this stuff in. And, and eventually when we had a conversation, I'm sure that it would come up, but you made it a point to call because you and I have been having this dialogue for, you know, for the last 10 years. And so I think it's huge. And I applaud you for that, Clark, to be honest. I applaud you to, to, uh, for, you know, having the courage to read the book that you're reading because I'm sure that it's pretty uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, absorbing what you're reading and, and reflecting on it and going, wow, this is, I, I've, I've lived that. I understand that. And I'm glad that, you know, Debbie, the author is white, and so you can understand from her explaining that to you which they, the term is white explaining but uh I'm glad that she's explaining that, and uh my hope is that other people will read other white people will read that book and and uh you know consume it gently uh but thoughtfully
1: yeah yeah i, I, I do too i you know to me it's a, it's an eye opening book and it, and it's I think it's critical that, uh, that white folks read it and, and understand it and, and really wrestle with what it means to grow up in a white dominant culture. You you know, I, I, I truly, Sammy, I think I, I had to hear it from somebody that grew up like I grew up and, um, and I told you this yesterday, and i mean it i i'm this is just the tip of the iceberg because i I think I'm just beginning to understand it and i don't i don't i don't understand the the breadth of it because i think
0: it's it's much bigger than than what I've already discovered you know so far i'm gonna i'm gonna pull from a movie but uh, in the matrix uh neo asked Morpheus why his why his eyes hurt so much. And uh, Morpheus goes, hey, they hurt a lot because you've never used them before. It's the first time you've seen light. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, I think that the fact that you're seeing this now, uh, you know, is huge. Uh, you know, there were, there were days that I would say stuff to you and I could, I could hear the frustration in your voice like, what's up with this guy? What's this, what's this issue with race all the time? And uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not angry. Uh, you know, I'm not an angry man. I, I am bothered. <laughs> no, I I'm, I'm I'm bothered by the fact that it's two thousand and seventeen, that I'm forty six years old and I've I've lived this my whole life and uh, you know, other people of color understand it, but uh, I'm glad that you are beginning to see what we see on a on a continuous basis. I'm gonna ask this this, this question and, and I'm I'm gonna try to wrap this up here within the next couple of minutes, but uh, the story that, you know, both of us Uh, that that you told about our time in Maryland and uh, seeing that from Christian leaders. uh, Do you think that uh, racism is alive in the church today?
1: You know, know, Sam, I used to not think it was, you know, I remember back in 2009 when uh, Harvard university professor Lewis Gates was arrested trying to get into his own home by a white policeman. And, uh, you know, I just thought, well, you know that's that guy's a racist you know he he's got problems with black people and um but but what i realize as as i've come to understand that you know there's there's this white privilege and i know a lot of white people hate that but there until you investigate really what that means you don't understand and so as a white pastor for 31 years I didn't understand it and and Sammy you were loving and you were caring um and, and you you your encouragement along the way probably gave me the courage to read that book because there was something about what the title said you know uh, waking up white that that struck me um as you know there's something that more there that that I need to understand about myself but we just don't understand the culture of our brothers and sisters of color because we grew up in a white culture and and unknowingly we perpetuated the this whole idea of the differences between races. And so I, I believe, yes, unfortunately, I believe that there is racism in our churches, and we're not going to be able to deal with it until we begin to understand what it's like to grow up in a culture that perpetuates this, because I didn't see it until I read this book, and now I see it, and, and uh, uh, my eyes have been opened and I, they can't be shut anymore.
0: I'm going to ask you one last, and this is the bombshell question. So uh, as you hear it, I know that you'll probably answer trepidatiously, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless. The movement that we're a part of actually did a survey uh, to see how diverse, or I'll even reword it, uh, if There is an issue about racism in our movement, and uh, it was done over three years ago, and there really hasn't uh, been anything done with it since that survey was done and since the results have been given back. What do you think that says uh, about this issue concerning our own movement that we're a part of? Sure. The lack of response. There you go. Ask me uncomfortable questions again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is what I, what I think it means until you know, we live in a, in a predominantly white culture. And while I believe our movement has um, really reached across the racial divide, I don't think we've, done enough self-introspection to understand what it means to live in a white majority culture. And, you know, while the study did some things to probably validate feelings, what I think is missing is uh, a real conversation that, that really can't be accomplished through a study that deals with, you know, multiple choice questions or or even questions that are written down uh, in their entirety. The answers are, Um, it it needs to be a live conversation. Uh, On top of that, it needs to be entered honestly into uh, with some self uh, observation and a lot of prayer. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be my hope for honestly, Uh, For all uh, white majority Christian movements in our nation and around the world, quite honestly, because until we understand, you know, what we absorbed growing up, we won't understand the the things that we learned that were part of our culture that that quite honestly are biased against
0: people of color. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. Well, Clark, I, uh, I I do this with uh, all the pastors that are part of the show. Would you pray? Uh, would you pray for um, our white brothers and sisters that uh, have not realized what you're beginning to realize? Uh, that uh, as they see this, as they hear words like white privilege or white supremacy or uh, you know, terms like that, that they wouldn't get defensive about it. Because uh, I, don't, I don't think that the majority of people uh, are, the majority of white people are, number one, I don't think that they're aware of the fact of white privilege uh, or uh, white supremacy. And when I say white supremacy, I'm not talking about like neo-Nazis or the alt-right movement. I'm talking about that we do live in a culture where there is white supremacy, uh, you know, yes. white White culture is dominant culture, especially in America, in the West. And so, uh, you know, that, that there wouldn't be any defenses, but that their eyes would be open in the same way that your eyes are opened. And that somebody would walk with, uh, you know, maybe uh, people of color would surround white people and walk with them the yeah. same way that I've walked with you, the way that we have walked each other with each other uh, over the course of these 10 years and patiently. Deal with each other because you've been very long suffering with me in times where I have been angry uh, about things and I've, you know, vented towards, you know, to you about things that bothered me and you, you were gracious towards me. So I think that it's a, it's a, it's a mutual reciprocal relationship that needs to be forged there. Would you, would you mind praying for both your, our our white brothers and sisters and then our, our, our our brothers and sisters of color that, that there would be patience on both sides? Yes, it
1: would be my honor and my privilege. Father, as we come here and have this uh, conversation about race, when we understand that it's it's more complicated than than we see, and, and Lord, I do pray for uh, for our white brothers and sisters that, that, that they would do some, some introspection and they would understand that they were raised in a culture where, uh, you know, they got passes on lots of things that our brothers and sisters of color don't get, that they got, um, privileges that that they didn't get. That, that we would begin to understand that that we learn things from mom and dad that that they didn't necessarily do intentionally to be racist, but it was just part of being part of the majority culture. So open open their eyes to that, Lord. And Lord, I, I do pray for our brothers and sisters of color that that they too, Lord, would would uh, would come alongside our brothers and sisters that are white and, and understand that. That for some of us, we just don't know what we don't know, and it's not because we're overtly racist, and and not because we're intentionally trying to be uh, hard to get along with, but it's just that we don't know, and and sometimes it, it it takes a brother or sister of color, you know, giving us grace, and sometimes it takes a brother or sister that's white to to sort of open our eyes, and so I, you know, I'm privileged and honored, Lord, to to have this relationship with sammy and and you've done a, a work in our relationship and our friendship and, and brought us to this place where uh you're doing something you're finally breaking through my thick head and so i pray lord that you would help that happen for all of us if if lord we're going to break down the walls of racism it's, it's going to have to happen one person at a time, one, one Christian brother, one Christian sister at a time, regardless of color. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that and that you would do that quickly.
0: We mm-hmm. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Clark, thanks so much for being part of the show. Thanks for your, your, your bravery, your courage to uh, read that book and to uh, answer some of my questions today. And I know I threw some, some pretty tough ones at you. And, uh, bro, I love you, and I appreciate you, and you will definitely be back as we continue to walk this journey out, and uh, hopefully we won't get lynched in the process, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to be doing life with you, brother, so God bless you.
1: God bless you, too, Sammy. Thank you for uh, loving me along the way and having patience with me, and uh, it's my honor to be on the show with you, and uh, I, I appreciate you. The fact that God has uh, put a call on your life and you will not rest. And uh, you've been long suffering with me. And um, that just bonds us together in a closer way uh, each and every time. So thank you for your grace. I love you, sir. Love you.